If you're lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, or other, what's school like for you? It depends. It depends on whether the principal of your school has made the environment positive about sexual and gender diversity. It depends on whether teachers are informed and feel comfortable about LGBTQI issues. It depends on the kind of language that gets thrown around in the hallway or in the locker room. It depends on whether sexuality education and textbooks include LGBTQI people and issues. I'm Clara Young, and today, to celebrate Pride Month, I talked to Jody McBrien, who is a professor in the School of International Global Studies at the University of South Florida. Jody is currently on secondment at the OECD as a Council on Foreign Relations Fellow and the lead author of a working paper on the inclusion of LGBTQI students across education systems. So hello, Jody McBrien. Hello, nice to see you there. I always love to start my interviews by defining terms, being a very good OECD soldier. And I'm not going to assume that every listener knows what every letter in LGBTQI plus stands for. So I'm wondering if you could just walk us through each one. Sure, of course. LGBTQ. Uh, L is for lesbian. G, gay. Bisexual, transgender, queer or questioning intersex and then plus is for the range of sexuality and gender identities because there are certainly more than um, those that are sort of defined by letters. Okay so thanks for that. Um, So now that we've got that out of the way let's turn to LGBTQI plus students in school. Now this is a very heterogeneous population of students that we're just grouping together. So it's a it's a difficult question, but and and there aren't enough studies or data, but do we know how any particular sexual and gender minority group does academically? Yeah, we do. It's it's kind of an interesting mix. There is um unfortunately a large proportion of LGBTQI plus students who drop out in secondary school. And um, obviously the reasons for that are because of discrimination, occasionally violence against them, fears that they have for attending school. However, those who stay the course and graduate from secondary school tend to do very well in tertiary education. Oh, and that's interesting. Act- yeah, it's, it is very interesting. And they actually graduate in higher percentages than um, heterosexual students. It's very interesting. Oh. Yeah. So if you can stay the course, uh, you actually end up doing better. It, indeed. Huh. Mm-hmm. So that's according to the research. Right. Yes. I, I also noted this interesting piece of information in your report that intersex students in a study in Australia, they're nine times as likely not to complete their secondary education compared to the general population. Yeah, there is very little research on intersex populations, so it's, it's difficult to be definitive, you know, based on one research study. However, I find it really challenging that there is so little support for intersex human beings. Um, you you know, people born with 
sexual attributes for both male and female should have full support and surprisingly they seem to have less support than gay and lesbian people. Right. Hmm. So what about socially and emotionally for students who are not in the mainstream in terms of sexual and gender identity? How is that aspect of school life for them? Social and emotional support for LGBTQI students is a key to helping them feel welcomed and included in school and safe as well. And um, this is a key component. And we are learning more and more through research that social and emotional learning and skills are, are also key to academic success. And so there are many ways to help LGBTQI students feel like they belong and like they are included in school. Um, so I can, I can go into that in more detail. Sure. Okay, sure. So one of the key issues is teacher training. A lot of teachers have said that they would like to be helping LGBTQI students feel accepted, helping them uh, when they are discriminated against, but they don't feel that they have adequate training. So that is one major component, is um, the need to include in pre-service training for um, undergraduate students who plan to be teachers, uh, that they get adequate training and understanding about diverse populations that include LGBTQI people, students, and also ongoing professional development for teachers. That's one major component. Is there any particular countries that are advanced in terms of teacher training on, on diversity issues, especially gender and sexual diversity? Yes, there are. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yes. One of the ones that I found in my research was Scotland. And Scotland has been working on this for several years. They have an inclusive education component that um, was just implemented a year ago. So in terms of research, the results are not yet out in terms of how successful it is going to be. However, they have been working on this for years. There's been a collaborative work between LGBTI NGOs, between them and government and family and um, students. And so they have come up with training materials and curriculum. They have come up with ways to certify schools such that, you know, once they go through training and teachers go through training, the schools can be certified as LGBTIQ plus uh, certified schools. And their goal is for all primary and secondary schools to be certified. They really plan to be the first country in the world to have all of their schools being welcoming. About teacher training, what is the top issue that really should be covered in teacher training? That's a great question. Well, I do a lot of work with diversity. Frankly, you know, my primary work has been with refugees. And what I have learned about them is that they're highly misunderstood. 
And I think the same is the case with LGBTI plus students. I think sometimes people don't understand um, differences when groups are not part of the majority. So they need simply to be given training, given um, education, to be able to understand that various minority groups, including LGBTQI plus individuals, need the same respect as anybody else and need to be understood. Uh, and, and they simply need to be given education. They also need to be given education to understand how to disrupt discriminatory actions that can occur in the classroom by other students. So you mean if there is casual, cruel remarks that it doesn't go by unnoticed or unremarked, that they stop that? Absolutely. Just one example, this happens all the time when a student will say, oh, that's so gay. And what they're actually saying is that's stupid. And to use the word gay to mean that's stupid is saying that somebody that's gay is derogatory. Right, absolutely. They need to realize what they're saying. And teachers need to realize that when they hear that, they need to stop it. Also, what is there particularly about mental health issues that teachers and school leaders should understand? Absolutely. LGBTQI students are highly at risk for suicidal ideation uh, because of the amount of discrimination and bullying that they face on sometimes on a daily basis. And the bullying can be verbal, it can be physical. And um, when it goes on and on and on, sadly, they are at much higher risk of suicide. This is really important for teachers and counselors to understand so that they can catch this and they can help these individuals feel that they belong, that they're important, that they're cared about. If schools have a, a, a just a general anti-bullying campaign, does that suffice? Would that do the job in this situation? Research indicates no, interestingly oh. enough. Um, research indicates that you have to have specifically LGBTQI plus anti-bullying rhetoric and campaigns in your schools. A generalized anti-bullying campaign has been found by research actually not to be that effective. So it has to include a discussion about LGBTQI plus anti-bullying. And what would be a salient point or two that would be different between a general anti-bullying campaign and one that is specifically uh, anti-bullying for LGBTQI plus students? An LGBTQI plus anti-bullying campaign would help students understand gender diversity, would help them understand sexual orientation, and um, understand that these differences are natural, are normal, are okay, and that it is unkind 
you know, to bully somebody based on their sexual preference and and the repercussions that it may have, you know, that these actually can result in very bad mental health and even suicidal ideation for this population. Something that I think a lot of people don't probably even think about is just the everyday difficulties in everyday life in school for LGBTQI plus students. And I'm thinking about almost geographical areas in a school like uh, the locker room, the washroom. Some of the most dangerous places for LGBTQI students are bathrooms or toilets, very dangerous places because quite often they are unsupervised and these are places where other students may bully them terrible things happen in the toilets for LGBTQI students. And quite frankly, what some of them often do is decide that they will not go. And what they do is they will choose not to drink any water. They will choose not to eat any food. They will hold it. And this actually causes physical repercussions for them. It, it can cause a lot of physical difficulty when you do these kinds of things. And frankly, when you do those kinds of things, it can also make it impossible to be academically ready to learn. Besides teacher training, and then we've also spoken about anti-bullying campaigns, what else is important in making education at school more inclusive? One of the things that have been really successful are gay-straight alliances. So these are student groups that are usually extracurricular, so they may be after-school groups, and what they are are gay students that also are allied with straight students, and they create advocacy, they create information, they create friendships, and um, they have been proven to be highly successful in creating a more positive school climate for all students. And is it particularly important as well that it's the students themselves taking that initiative, I'm assuming? Absolutely. Yeah, it's like a bottom-up kind of initiative rather than a top-down. So it empowers students, um, both straight students as well as the LGBTQI students. Uh, because they bond together and, you know, really kind of sometimes create really formidable allies together. So they work against um, discrimination and bullying. You need to have this bottom-up approach, so to have these student alliances. But it's also very important for, you know, the principal of the school to set the tone. Um, Sometimes teachers have indicated that they very much want to support their students, but they don't feel supported by administration. And so they are left feeling concerned and confused and worried that if they are supportive, that they may not be supported by their administration. So it is critically important that um, the higher levels at the school also support their teachers in supporting LGBTQI plus students. Not all countries and or portions of countries are as supportive and sometimes as a result, teachers can feel very concerned 
they can feel concerned for their jobs if they don't feel supported by administration. So it, it really is very critical for higher administration to also support their teachers. Latin America is a little bit behind in terms of the inclusiveness of, the, of their school environment and, and also in terms of having non-discrimination legislation uh, towards LGBTQI, right? Yes, uh, as are many of the United States, frankly. Some are, are rather advanced and some are actually working on legislation right now that is very discriminatory towards LGBTQI students. So it is a concern for those students because this is an interesting topic. It's one where people disagree quite a bit, but I have to say that all students are deserving of human rights and have to be recognized. And we have an LGBTQI student population that is deserving of protection and safety. And, you know, so I I think this is a, a real concern for all states. Some of the disagreements that we've been hearing about a lot has to do with school curriculum because there seems to be quite a lot of people who feel that, oh, schoolwork, it should be an identity-free space. How do you respond to that? You know, there has been the idea for several decades now of seeing oneself in the curriculum. And we've talked about this in concerns of girls seeing themselves in the curriculum as scientists or engineers or non-traditional roles. We've seen this in terms of ethnicity, and it's, it's time to see this as well in terms of LGBTQI students, to see themselves in the curriculum. An example is Sally Ride, the astronaut. Um, Sally Ride was the first woman astronaut, so you know she can be seen in terms of gender and science. She was also the first lesbian astronaut. And you know, so she can be a point of pride um, for LGBTQI students. And, and more of these examples are important for students to see themselves and feel proud of themselves. So we, we've discussed, you know, in general, uh, inclusivity in the school curriculum, but what about in particular sexuality education? There are a number of countries that are very inclusive in sex education. And this is um, interesting that a lot of countries in the OECD are inclusive of LGBTQ sexuality when they teach sex education. There are some that are not, and there are some that are somewhat discriminatory about, not too many, but some that are a bit anti-LGBTQI sexuality. But we are seeing a trend towards being more inclusive. Uh, One of the ones I believe is Sweden has been inclusive since the 1950s. And, um, you know, we're seeing more of that as we move along. I think Iceland is as well very Iceland is, yes, Iceland is very advanced. In fact, (laughs) their uh, gay pride is, I think, the biggest in the world, um, which is, you know, this month. And um, it's amazing. Thousands of Icelanders um, attend this parade, gay and straight. I do actually have a question as well on the... Uh, during the pandemic and during the long period of school closures, 
what kind of effect has that had on the LGBTQI plus student population? It's been mixed. Um, for some students, it has been really precarious because if they have had to um, kind of lock down in situations where perhaps their families are not accepting of who they are and they have not had the opportunity to be in school where they might have counseling or friends um, that support them. This has been very, very difficult. On the other hand, there have been LGBTQI students who are supported by their families who have felt better because they are not going to school where they're bullied. So it's kind of been a mixed bag. There is quite a higher percentage of homelessness among transgender students, which would make the situation even more intolerable. Absolutely. There is a particular NGO in the United States that has has really been reaching out to try to help this group of people. And, and there are some NGOs throughout various countries that are, are working. One of the groups that I work with actually is um, Safe Place International that works with LGBTQ refugees and refugee students as well. And so they have tried to provide safe houses in a number of countries. Why is it especially crucial for schools at whatever level, high school, elementary, that they get it right on uh, gender and sexuality diversity? I think that the reason is that all human beings are worthy of respect and human dignity, no matter their race, ethnicity, their sexual orientation, uh, their gender identity, and for societies to thrive, and also to advance economically. We need to be accepting and understanding of a multiple array of diversity that includes LGBTQI individuals. Okay, well, thank you very much, Jody McBrien. You're very welcome. And I'm Clara Young. To find out more about the OECD's work on education, find us on Twitter. Our handle is at OECD EDU Skills. <laughs> <laughs>